Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Be blessed. Blessings to everyone today in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah, in the name of Jesus, the Christ. Today is a weekly message. We have been wanting to bring a weekly message, but we have failed to do that so far. But today we're going to try to get a little bit back on schedule. Today I want to be talking about the will of God and how important it is that we stay right in the center of God's will. So we're going to be looking into the letter that Jacob wrote. And Jacob is writing to the scattered 12 tribes abroad. Uh, Some of you know this letter is James, and this is probably the first letter written in the New Covenant Scriptures, and it was written by the brother of Yeshua, the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, his half-brother, who has become a leader, an elder, some would say the overseer of the believers in Jerusalem, and he's writing to the scattered Jews abroad that are believers. And if we go back to Acts chapter 7 and 8, we see that there was a scattering of the Jewish believers from Jerusalem after the death of Stephen. And after his death, the believers were scattered to Judea and Samaria initially, but the apostles stayed in Jerusalem, and the believers or the congregation in Jerusalem becomes more underground from that point on. Prior to that, they were ministering in the temple. They were ministering from house to house. But after that, we see that it is a different context for the believers in Jerusalem. After that scattering, the apostles historically are going out. We even see that in the book of Acts. But Jacob, James, stays in the city of Jerusalem primarily. And so he becomes an overseer. And now he's writing a letter to those Jews that were scattered probably after the time of the death of Stephen, the murder of Stephen. And it says in Acts chapter 8 in the first four verses that those that had been scattered went about preaching the word of God. So they did not forget about their faith. Their faith is the reason why they are being persecuted, but they are being scattered and they're not forgetting about their faith where they're going. They're preaching God's word. They're taking the good news about who Yeshua is. He's the Messiah, the Son of God. He is the one that died, was resurrected, and he's coming back again. So we see the faithfulness of the Jewish believers before the name of Christian has really taken root as a description of the Jewish believers or the Gentile believers. They are Jews with a Jewish faith taking the message of the Jewish Messiah about a new covenant that was promised to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah and taking this message to the ends of the earth, fulfilling what Israel was always promised to be, a light to the nations. And so that sets a little bit of the context. The book of, or the letter of Jacob is probably written between 40 and 48 AD. And now he is writing to Jewish believers scattered abroad, and they are being persecuted for their faith. 
And that's something for us to understand about the context as you go from chapter chapters 1, 2, and 3 and come to chapter 4. This is a persecuted church, a church that needs to understand to count it all joy when you encounter various trials and tribulations. So this persecution that has come upon them, they need to see that God has allowed them to go through this. God is in control. Trust him, have faith in him, and God is working his miracles through their lives to bring the gospel to other individuals. And so we see this, and this makes it very important as we go into chapter 4 about the will of God. And I want us to concentrate on verses 13 through 17. I've already taught, or we have already taught the whole letter, but I want to focus on this passage of Scripture. Now, Alan is with me today, and Alan is going to be reading, and then we're going to be discussing these five, six verses. Again, do not isolate Scripture from the flow of thought, and I encourage you to go back and listen to the whole teaching of this letter. But more than that, read the whole letter and see this passage is not a unit by itself, but is part of the whole letter. And so the chapters and the verse divisions are at it later, but really establish the flow of thought. But let's read these verses. Alan, if you don't mind, if you could read these. All right. James chapter 4, verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there in exchange in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Let's look at these powerful words here and how relevant they are for us today. Again, understand this is coming from persecuted Jewish believers that have been scattered abroad. And they named the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. In Greek language, the Christ, Jesus the Christ. And we're looking at a context of them losing everything. If they had to have left Jerusalem, they left their homes, their businesses, their culture, their background, their security financially, and now they're scattered and they're trying to start afresh and anew. And they need to rebuild their lives, rebuild the understanding of how we're going to take care of each other. And you would think in the middle of that that Jacob would write to people that he knows. I believe he's writing to those that left Jerusalem primarily. And he would say, listen, it's going to be okay. Things are going to be back to where they were before. Let me encourage you. And you need to do this, this, and this. And he does not say these things to these scattered Jewish believers. He really starts to emphasize the will of God. And in in the midst of a tragedy, financially, physically, he does not minimize the will of God, but he brings it to the forefront. Look in verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. 
Now, that mentality, there's not anything wrong with that mentality if it is flowing from a desire to do God's will. But he is addressing those that are saying, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, engage in business, and make a profit. If that is the focal point of why you are doing it, this is going the wrong direction. So there's not anything wrong with having a business. There's not anything wrong with engaging in business in order to make a profit to take care of yourself or to take care of your family in order to provide for yourselves the substance that you need for life. And so when you look at this, it's okay if it is flowing from a heart that wants to do the will of God. But verse 13 doesn't represent an individual that is saying, let the will of God be done. So look at verse 14. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. So he's addressing the same mindset in verse 14 as in verse 13. You don't know what tomorrow is. You don't have the luxury to say what they're saying in verse 13 because you do not know what tomorrow holds for your life and for your family. Your life is but a vapor. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. So an individual that names the name of Jesus as the Messiah that you're under his authority. You don't have the right to say in yourself, I'm going to go do this and go do that, and you don't even know what tomorrow holds. So why would you do that? You're thinking in vain. It is useless. The whole mentality could just destroy you and your family because you're bypassing the most important thing in your life. What is God's will for your life? Any comments about that, Alan? This is always a challenge with our our natural mind because, you know, you want to make plans and you want to sort of have these goals that you set. I think in the Western culture, you know, we always talk about setting five-year goals or what's your 10-year plan. But God has his own plan and he has his own timing. And I I like what you said about, you know, none of these things are wrong in their self if you're operating within the will of God and focusing on his will first. And, And, you know, I do believe that that God, you know, knows more than we do. He knows the future, what's going to happen in our lives, you know. So why wouldn't we trust him with following his will and following that? And, yeah, maybe there's a season where we are going, you know, like they said, to a city to engage in business and make a profit and work. But, you know, I I do think God, you know, wants to be in every aspect of our decision-making of our life. And if our whole focus is, God, what's your will in this situation? What's your will for the next five years for me? What's your will for this evening? You know, even break it down to that small, you know, where would you have me go? And I think it's it's almost something, at least for me, you have to just train yourself to do and just always be kind of thinking, God, I want to be in your will. I want to follow that. And in any time, personally, I've gotten outside of that and said, I'm going to do my own thing. It's always gotten me into trouble. And I think James, you know, here as an overseer speaking to these scattered believers, you know, he has a heart of care and love for them. And he ultimately knows that, you know, in God's will, in the center of his will, is the absolute perfect place you want to be. Amen. Because our life is a vapor. And what we do these 80, 100 years, however many God chooses to give us, if that, 
you know, that's just a vapor. And, and we need to be about his business and his will because we're going to spend eternity with him. And at the end of the day, we're answering for what we did to him in this life, you know, when we stand before him in eternity. And I, I really, I struggle sometimes to grasp that in my own life. This is an eternal kingdom that we're serving in. And ultimately, this is the shortest part of that eternity almost, you know, 80 years out of eternity. Think about that. It's pretty crazy. Yes, everything now is temporal as far as what we're doing to sustain ourselves today. But our focus is always has to be on the eternal. And if we're bypassing the will of God, our focus is not on the eternal, but the temporal things of man. And so it really reflects a danger, a real danger, maybe even a panic within individuals that know the Lord. Remember, these are believers, Jewish believers. They know the Lord, but they're forgetting about what is the most important thing, and that is the eternal things of God. They could make huge mistakes also because they don't know what tomorrow brings, but God knows. And it's a condition of the heart. It's an attitude within us that says, I'm not going to do this unless I know it's the will of God. And once we submit things into God's hands, then it changes our whole perspective of what we need to do, how we do it, the people that we're involved in as well is extremely important that we go into business with the right people because we've sought God and we've sought his direction and his blessing. It's about acknowledging him in everything that we do. Think about Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So as I acknowledge him, as I put everything in his hands, and if what I'm doing in business is to glorify him, it begins to shape everything about that business. And so when you look at this, it's really something that they need to slow down, check what they're doing, and really submit everything to the will of God. Now, living, Alan, 11 years in India, the believers in India really understand this concept of the will of God. If you and I are talking and I said to you, I'll see you tomorrow at 5 p.m. because we've made an appointment to meet. They would look at me and say, yes, I will see you tomorrow at 5 p.m., God willing. They always acknowledge the will of God because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And so it was really a condition of their theology. Let me say it this way. They have been taught from the word of God everything that they do. Their theology is the will of God. In the Western culture, we lose that so much. But even in their vocabulary, I'm going to see you tomorrow morning, God willing. And so they never, ever forget that. And I learned to say that, God willing, I will see you tomorrow. God willing, we will do this or that. It's according to the will of God. And sometimes we make plans and we sort of want the Lord to bless them after we've made those plans and made those commitments yes. already. Um, and I think that can be a mis- misthinking that we have. There are um, churches, the yes, churches that do five-year calendars. But have they really sat down as a body of elders and prayed and sought God for the next five years of where we're going? Some of them are very mechanical, and they have it planned out 
every Sunday for the next two years, what we're going to speak on this Sunday, that Sunday, what we're going to do with this program, the children's ministry, the youth ministry. Yet they never went and really sought God with prayer and fasting and finding the direction of the Lord. And they don't even know what the next month holds for that church. Yeah, I mean, great example, depending on when you're listening to this, but we're right in the middle of of COVID-19, where a lot of people's plans really got changed in in the church. You know, churches not being able to meet in person, personal, you know, businesses and, and jobs lost and family situations and dynamics It really through a lot of people, I think, for a loop um, in yes. a lot of ways, and, and ourselves included, me me personally, you know, with that. So it's really, you never know, and this is something that came totally out of the blue, but God knew about it, and people that were in His will and following Him, you know, I think saw His hand in that. And real quick, just a personal experience with that, you know, God had been leading me to come down here, and, and Scott and I had been talking about me moving to Birmingham probably back in August, and, and right now we're in July, and I had no idea why or what was going to happen and kind of fought it for a while, but eventually said, God, I want to do your will. But that was the Thursday before the United States kind of locked everything down for Corona. And if that hadn't been in motion and I hadn't submitted to that, I could have been in a world of trouble in New York City or at least stuck in my apartment right. <laughs> with everybody else. You know, praise God, he, he did speak to me and praise God, he gave me the ability to you know listen to him and and follow his will in that because I had no idea that was happening. Right. Nobody did. And it's it's quite remarkable when when you see that and you see that, that God's hand can be in your life and he knows how to direct you and he knows what you're supposed to do and where you're supposed to go. Yes. Um, and it was really a powerful confirmation of him in my life for me at a time when I needed it. Amen. And all of us can look back and see when we feel like God is directing us a certain direction and you see the confirmation of it later. But when you saturate everything in prayer, and I'm not saying that everybody's gonna know clearly exactly what they need to do, but it's an attitude of the heart that says, God, let your will be done. And Lord, I feel this is the direction I need to go, but God, if it's not of you, close the door. And God, if it is of you, open the door. A church can say the same thing, you know, praying and seeking God for the next six months for everything that they're doing and praying and fasting and really submitting everything to God. And you can lay out plans with an attitude of God, we want your will to be done in every aspect of what we're doing. And if this is not of you, close that door. We feel this is the right direction and we're going to acknowledge you, but if it's not, close the door, open the door. Say if you're going to buy a house, God, I feel this is the right thing. I want your will to be done. Maybe I don't hear an audible voice, but God, if this is of you, I've got peace about it, but if this is of you, close this door so tightly or open the door if it is of you and let it be easy and let there be confirmation. And if it's not, close it so tightly that I cannot open it up. And then when you do that, you're releasing it into the hands of God. I'm not saying to anybody that's listening that you have to hear an audible voice. You have to know exactly every moment of where you're going. I knew of one individual, she would not even go to church unless God told her to go to church. Well, the word of God says, do not be like some and forsake the assembling together. So I don't believe 
God would tell us not do something that's contrary to his word. So there's many different ways that we can know the voice of God and what God is speaking. However, there are times that we do not know really what to do and it's a, it's a condition of the heart that says, God, your will be done, not my will. I give it into your hands, Lord. If you say no and give me a clear understanding, no, it is 100% no. Yeah. And, and I want to look at this next verse here in verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. The greatest place to be is right in the center of God's will. We do not know what tomorrow holds, so therefore there is a complete abandonment of our future into the hands of God, and if it's the Lord's will, I will go to this university. If it's the Lord's will, I will stay home. God, if it's your will, I will take this job or I will take this job promotion, or I will move my family to this city for this purpose. But God, only as I acknowledge you and you give me direction, and I have peace that you are going before me, you go before me, and you are there as my rear guard as well. I put everything into the hands of God. And the greatest place to be is right in the center of God's will. Amen. So we look at this and we can never lose sight of the will of God in every aspect of what we are doing. Verse 16, but as it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. So probably Jacob received some reports that some are conducting business and doing this and doing that. They haven't prayed about it. They haven't sought God's will about it. Maybe there's a panic that's going on. And to do that is arrogance. Because if I do this, Alan, I'm looking at my life and saying, I'm smart enough, even though I don't know what tomorrow is, I'm smart enough, strong enough, I have the capacity to make a home to make a business the way that I want to bring it about. And someone that's listening will say, well, there's all kinds of successful businesses of people that do not acknowledge God. They do not serve God. They're atheistic, agnostic. They don't believe in God at all, but that they're missing the point. As a believer, it's not about the size of the business. It's not about being successful in the business. What is important to us is submitting everything to the will of God. If I do not do that, then I become arrogant, and that boasting is evil. So what I'm saying, you may have a great business, and that business may be the very thing that comes back to destroy you and your family, and it's empty, it doesn't have value, it doesn't have significance, unless it's submitted to the will of God. And then that business becomes more than just producing money for myself and my family. That business becomes something that's building the kingdom of God. I'm acknowledging him. I'm saying, God, I cannot do this. Lord, let your will be done. Only you can give the right direction for what we are doing. God be glorified. And a believer should always live in that mentality. And I would rather have a small business just making enough income for, to sustain us for that day 
than to have a large corporation that's producing millions of dollars in profit every day if I'm doing it in the right way, according to God's will. Yeah, and I think that's, you made a good point. This is, this is kind of an attitude, and I like the word boasting and or being, you know, proud and arrogant about it. It's kind of saying, and, and, and I've seen this, you know, sometimes in my life, you, get, you just get something in your head that you're going to do and you want to do. And, you, and then you're not even concerned with God's will or God's blessing. And, and you just go down a path and say, well, I know it. I'm going to do this. And I think, like you said, it's a mindset of saying, none, and none of that can be wrong, you know, going forward with something, going forward with the plan. But if your mindset is, I'm doing this no matter what, and I don't care if the Lord tells me not to do it or I'm not going to ask him about it, then that's when the danger lies. And that's you know, the attitude of being flexible because we don't know what's going to happen. And, and we can be in something and may not see it. And, and if we don't have the attitude to say, all right, God, if this is your will or if you will me to stop this or if this just stops for whatever reason, and if you don't have that trust that God's in control of it, you know, that can be when you can be fearful and you can yes. start saying, well, I'm going to push forward with this anyway. And I don't really care, God, what you speak to me, but I'm yes. going to do it on my own. I can do it, and I need to make this happen for whatever reason, for X, Y, Z. You know, that's the danger that lies in that. And if that attitude of, of God, what is your will? I'm going to follow it. And when something changes and God speaks to you, it may not be at the time you wanted to know about it, you know, but God's timing is perfect. It may be when it's too late and you got to back out of something or you got to move, but just always being ready to say, God, if you tell me to go another way, if you shut this door, I'm going to follow your will and I'm going to be open to that. Yes. And I would encourage everyone that's listening every day in the morning, in your heart, say, God, let your will be done. Amen. Some people uh, are afraid of the will of God. The safest place to be is right in the center of God's will. That does not mean everything's going to turn out the way that you want it to turn out. What it means is God's will gives purpose and significance to your life for the kingdom of God. And so you look back on the word of God and you see Joseph and the will of God upon his life landed him into all kinds of terrible situations, but his life actually became an instrument to bring salvation to his whole family. So the will of God is stripping away all self-centeredness. It's not about me, let God's will be done. So in the morning, say in your heart, you can verbalize it, God, let your will be done in my life. I give you everything, every aspect of this day. I die to myself, I take up my own cross, I follow your salvation, the Messiah, and God let your will be done in my life. And that will change the whole outcome of how, the. let me say it this way, the whole perspective of your day. Now look at verse 17 as we're closing with this message. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. These Jewish believers in Jesus as the Messiah they know God. They know God's salvation. They know the power of God's Spirit within them. So for them to start operating outside of the will of God, for whatever reason that they're doing this, this boasting is evil. They have become arrogant, and pride comes before the fall. Verse 17, Therefore to the one who knows the right thing to do, he is speaking to a believer here, not to a non-believer. They know the right thing to do and does not do it. To him it is sin. 
It's just very plain and simple. Every one of us that knows the Lord Jesus Christ, we know him. We submit our lives to him. It's his will within our lives. If we understand this and we go the opposite direction and say, no, I'm going to do what I think is the right thing to do. I'm going to marry this guy. I'm going to marry this girl, even though they're not a believer, because I want to do this. This is my life, my future, my destiny. For them to do that, have that mindset, it is sin. And it will build and it will accumulate And you'll get so wrapped up into a lifestyle of sin that you will not even think about the next decision that you make. You'll just go and do whatever you want to do, destroying your life one step at a time. And so it's a strong warning. It's a rebuke. We must understand that the will of God is not an option. It is who we are as believers. Think about Jesus, and I'll close with this, in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he's agonizing what is about to take place, he says, Father, not my will be done, but thy will be done. He is actually agonizing what he's about to go through and really praying if there's any other way that this cup be taken away from me. But he says, not my will, but thine will be done. That is our Lord and our Savior submitting himself to the will of his heavenly Father, an eternal relationship between the Father and the Son. And he is saying, let your will be done in my life. And he went and he took the abuse and all the suffering and all the pain and dying upon a cross, not for his sin, but for our sin and for the sin of the world. If our our Lord and Savior submits everything into the hands of his heavenly Father, how much more us as the disciples of Jesus, the Messiah, not do the same? Every aspect of our life, everything that we do, every decision, everything that is before us, God, let your will be done within our lives. We submit ourselves to you by the power and the authority of Yeshua, the Messiah, our Lord and Savior. Now let us pray and end this time together, and let's pray for God's will to be done within our lives. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for this day. We thank you for your blessings upon us. We are so blessed in the Messiah. We just pray that we will understand that, that the mercies of God, our God, are afresh and new every morning, and God, that you are faithful, and we commit everything into your hands this day, every day, and Lord, use us for your kingdom. That is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at integritygm.com and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at integrity global missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.